The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Inside the Huddle. Uh, we are here on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday because I had to reschedule. TJ Inman, our co-host, will be joining us shortly. We're going to break down the Maryland versus Indiana matchup um, that is going to happen on Saturday at noon in College Park, Maryland. Uh, we'll be there uh, flying out early tomorrow morning. Uh, anyway, it's the final two games on the road uh, there are two winnable games. Indiana sitting at four and six, needing two to get to uh, bowl eligible. Although they could go to bowl with uh, five wins, but uh, you know, just getting to six wins is something. There, there's something about six wins uh, that needs to be done. So I'll be happy at five and seven with the bowl, but it will be something uh, much uh, better if it was six and six with the bowl. I know it's not a terrific record. But at 6-6, six and six, then you have a chance to win the bowl game and get to over 500. Uh, TJ, welcome to back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Sammy. Always a pleasure. Always. We're, we're down to the, the last two games of the year. Uh, this one against Maryland. Maryland's 2-8, and eight, TJ. Um, they're 0 for the Big Ten as well. Uh, they lost to Bowling Green at West Virginia at a conference. Um, they have fired their coach already, and it just—it seems like they're they're stuck in a spiral. Yeah, I I think that this is a case of a team that I, I'm sure that the players are are still, you know, giving their their effort during the games. I'm not suggesting that they are just. There has to be a little bit of a. Uh, probably a lack of sharpness in their preparation. You know, maybe guys aren't paying quite as much attention uh, as they were early in the season to film study and and things like that because it's highly likely that much of this coaching staff uh, is not going to be with them once the uh, once the new coach is hired. Um, I would anticipate that Mike Loxley who is currently the interim head coach, I'd anticipate that he's going to be kept on because he's a pretty strong recruiter. Uh, they have a, you know, for them, they've got some fairly high-profile players that are from the Baltimore area that are, uh, as of now, still pledged to go to Maryland, and Loxley was, was critical in uh, recruiting them. So I'd imagine he'd stay on, maybe a couple others stay on. But for the most part, most of this coaching staff is probably going to be at someplace different. Uh, so there's just, you know, there's no stakes really. This is not a rivalry by any, any stretch of the imagination. I know that they're division foes, but, uh, definitely not a rivalry. So, you know, there's really very little stakes for this Maryland football team. It is going to be senior day at Bird Stadium. So, uh, the, the Terps will have some senior players that will want to, to win their final home game. Um, but I, you know, I would not expect much of a crowd. I would not expect much of a hostile atmosphere. Uh, there's, as far as road games go, this is going to be a, a 
very tame environment for Indiana to be able to to go on the road and get their second road victory of the season, which would be the uh, the most that they've had under Kevin Wilson in a season. So, yeah, you're right. They're they're kind of on a on a tailspin. There's no doubt about that. You mentioned the West Virginia game. They were absolutely embarrassed in that one. That was kind of the first indication that, you know, Maryland was going to be a, a bad team this season, not just a, a decent team that, you know, would have a, a bad record based on their schedule, but that they were actually going to be a bad team. And the rest of the season has kind of played that out. They've had a couple of a uh, couple of games where they put up a fight. Uh, they were pretty pretty close against Penn State. Um, yeah, it's hard to compare the two head-to-head matchups because IU was so limited uh, when they took on Penn State, but Maryland only lost to them by a point. Uh, and then they were not by Michigan State last week, but Michigan State was without Connor Cook for the second half and really was without a healthy Connor Cook for the entire game. He was not himself all day, and he's got some shoulder issues. So they were playing a uh, backup quarterback, Kevin O'Connor, for much of that contest, and it, it did not go well. Um, but the defensive numbers did look pretty good for Maryland. So uh, we'll talk about the keys of the game here for a little bit, but really the first thing that jumps out when you look at this matchup is after a string of very good teams that Indiana played, with the exception of Rutgers, uh, this is an opponent that Indiana can line up against with, you know, equal athletes, equal depth. This is really a a matchup where the rosters, uh, you don't feel as if Indiana is an underdog. I know that the the line on this game is very close. It's close to a pick-em game, Maryland getting a couple of points just for the the home field, standard home field advantage. But um, this is really the first time since that Rutgers game. And if you take out the Rutgers game, the first time all Big Ten season, Indiana's roster uh, is very, very comparable to to their opponent. Uh, and if Indiana's passing defense is going to have a decent day, uh, Saturday's going to be it. Yeah, and, and, you know, going on that, and, and you alluded to the small crowd, that's going to be tough. You know, sometimes playing yeah. in front of 100,000 people is tough, but playing in front of 10,000 people is tough, too. Um, you know, football is a game of energy, and when you come out and there's 100,000 people, you get you get fired up. And when there's 10,000 people, you're going to have to bring their own, your own energy, and I think IU does that well, um, but we'll see. I, I'm excited to go see Maryland. It's supposed to be a great uh, college town, uh, and we'll see. You know, I'll let you guys know about uh, Bird Stadium. Um, but a couple things worry about, uh, me about this game, uh, TJ. First is uh, Will Likely, uh, their big returner. I put him as, you know, the matchup to watch for me is Will Likely versus Griffin Oaks. Now, I know it's more than that. There's the kick return team and the punt return team as well. Uh, but Will Likely is an absolute monster in return game. And Griffin Oaks is, is uh, you know, the front runner for, for Big Ten, uh, all Big Ten kicker. Um, which you know people are just realizing, but I think you and I had and Nick had him uh, as pretty good from from the get go. Um, so you know we'll see what what other matchups uh, uh, strike you as uh, as something that 
is kind of a disadvantage or an advantage for IU. Yeah, for, uh, I'll just speak on the William Likely piece real quick. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, Likely is a player that IU needs to make sure they don't give him a chance to tra- to change this game. Um, on defense, he's a defensive back. Uh, you know, I would say adequate. Um, he's not he's not tremendous in coverage, but he's adequate. Uh, they'll put him in at offense, and they will try to get him the ball. Uh, in the past, you know, he really hasn't gotten it enough, in my opinion, uh, as much as their offense struggles to generate big plays. I think they need to get him the ball more. But so far, he's been used mostly as a decoy, and he'll get you know, five or six touches on offense a game, a couple of carries, a couple of short receptions. Um, but then returning is, is really where he makes his, his big mark. So you're right about that. Averaging uh, 24.1 yards per turn on kickoffs. He has one kickoff return for a touchdown earlier in the season, and then he is uh, averaging 17.7 yards on palm return with touchdowns uh, returning there. So um, what what he can do is just imagine the scenario where Indiana has, let's say, uh, taken a, I don't know, like a 17 to, to 10 lead, and they're starting to feel good about themselves. They're moving the ball on offense. The defense has actually gotten a couple of stops. And for some reason, let's say that, I don't know, Eric Toth has a, a low punt that William Likely is able to get on to after their defense gets a stop. Likely returns it for a touchdown at 17-17. Maryland, you know, gets pumped up by it. Indiana, you know, maybe panics a little bit, and you got a ball game. So what what can happen with big special teams plays is it can completely change momentum. It can add a score that you didn't expect. And as porous as Indiana's defense has been, they really can't afford to give up points in any other facet of the game. So that's definitely a matchup to watch for. And, and Griffin Oaks' ability to put the ball through the end zone on kickoffs routinely and not give him any opportunities on kickoff returns. Uh, it's going to be a huge weapon for Indiana, uh, assuming that, that he can do that again on Saturday, and we have no reason to think that he won't. But, uh, yeah, yeah Oaks and, has been, and, and you know what? And, TJ, you touched on the punt return game, too. He's been more dangerous in the punt return game. And yeah. so far this year, um, Eric Toth's been, been solid. He's had a good year. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, surprised me. Um, but if you look at his game against Ohio State, where they were kicking to Jalen Marshall, who's another uh, great kick returner. He kind of, you know, I don't know if, if, you know, if it was in his head, but he kind of just didn't get it done against him, and that that's worrisome. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes in the past and kicking it low with no coverage. But if you're going to sky kick it, hopefully the weather is good because if you have a wind, any kind of wind um, or right. rain, that could throw a wrench into your kicking game as well. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. I think Toth has been a um, not great, but I think better than expected would be a fair way of putting it. Uh, he has uh, he's had very few punts where they've, and especially in the past, I'd say the past probably month, um, he's had very few punts that you would say, "Wow, he shanked that one," or um, or he's just completely failed to flip field position at all for you. You know, there haven't been any of those 
kind of 25-yard uh, shanks that go out of bounds and leave the ref, you know, walking up the field where you're just, you know, shaking your head as he continues to walk forward to mark the ball. But um, if if he is able to, and that that is what I'm more, more worried about with likely is the punt returns because I have such confidence in Oaks getting the ball into the end zone and not just into the end zone, but usually – uh, you know, five or six yards deep into the end zone where the kicker turner can't even think about returning it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Toast needs to have, uh, you know, you hope he doesn't have to punt much, but uh, if he is going to, you hope that he can get some height on those punts. And like you said, you don't want to have any wind that, that knocks that down and uh, forces you to line drive any. So it, that's going to be an important factor to watch, especially, uh, like I said, with Indiana's, you know, defense, they just they can't afford to be put into bad situations. So field position is going to be important to give the defense every opportunity they, they can to succeed. You know, that brings me to main, the main thing that I, I am going to be watching for uh, is I use pass defense versus a really bad pass offense. Um, you know, Maryland is, is going to start Perry Hills. Uh, Caleb Bro might play some as well. But, you know, these guys, are they're not good. Um, Perry Hills is an effective runner. We'll talk about that later. That's a danger point for Indiana. We'll talk about, or, you know, I'd like to ask you how you think Indiana's going to defend that. But um, Maryland has thrown 28 interceptions through 10 games. You know, that is yep. historic levels of, of bad. Uh, that's yep. coming and, off and as bad as Perry Hills. TJ, as bad as Perry Hills has been, Caleb Rowe has been arguably much, much worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rowe has been worse. 15 picks and 114 attempts for Rowe, 12 picks and 174, the two of them together, one interception every 11 attempts. So if you think about, let's say that Nate Sudfeld was throwing it at that rate, you know, in in an offense that actually does pass the ball quite a bit, and Indiana is certainly not the most pass-happy offense in the league, but um, you know, let's say that you're throwing the ball, you know, 35 times, which is not an obscene amount in today's you know game. Uh, you're looking at three interceptions at that rate. So that I mean, that is mind-bogglingly bad from Big Ten quarterbacks, uh, and it has not just been one guy. Like you said, it's been Rowe, it's been Hills, it was Dax Garman when he got in there for a little bit. So uh, Maryland's offense has been really good at shooting themselves in the foot. So for Indiana uh, defense, and especially the secondary, to step up, and they don't even need to play well. They just need to play acceptable levels of decent football for Indiana to get a win on Saturday because Maryland, I mean, these guys have only passed over 200 yards at one time uh, in the Big Ten. That's it, just one time, over 200 yards, which is not, I mean, 200 yards is not an accomplishment uh, in today's college football it's just, or NFL, and for that matter. 200 yards is a very, very mediocre day and they've yet to exceed 250 through the air. So I I don't know if Indiana's defense and the secondary cannot hold Maryland to under 250 
or, you know, and these numbers are a little bit, you know, skewed because if Indiana is ahead and Maryland has to chuck it around late to try to catch up, you know, I, that's perfectly fine with me, and I would expect to give up more yards there than you would in kind of, uh, you know, a closer game. But if Indiana can hold them under 250 meaningful yards, then I, I think Indiana's got a great chance to win because I don't think that uh, Maryland's going to be able to generate enough points unless they are able to get their passing attack going like pretty much every other opponent has against IU. You know, it's it, every Saturday it seems like we're talking about a career day for another quarterback that IU goes against. And um, if they give up a, a career day to Caleb Rowe and make him look like an NFL quarterback, then... I don't know, you might just want to consider leaving uh, leaving everyone that has to do with the secondary in College Park and just go home without them. Yeah, and you're right about that. I, I do think that IU would benefit if this game is a shootout um, more than yeah. you know yeah. a 17-10 distra- uh, defensive struggle because uh, I do think that if IU gets out to a big lead and makes this team throw, that they're not – going to make the plays you know as you said they have you know what an interception every 11 throws and if you get down big you know throw the ball they're going to throw the ball I don't think Perry Hills I mean he shouldn't have a career day although his career day might be 250 yards and And I think he could live with 200 yeah I think he could live with that um you know get your turnovers this is this is your chance to get back to where your defense was at the beginning of the year, getting two or three turnovers a game and cashing those turnovers into points, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. I think now any any points off of any turnover uh, is is fine. Um, so, yep. you know, it, it's we'll see who plays quarterback. I, they, Perry Hills has started. He's their starter. I think they sprinkle in Caleb Rowe. Um, We'll see where they go with that. They are going to miss Wes Brown. Uh, he's their third leading rusher and short yardage back specialist. He was suspended yep. uh, for a year uh, due to academic or student misconduct uh, reasons. He had been uh, suspended before, I believe. Uh, so uh, we'll see. You know, Brandon Ross is a is a decent back. He has 540 yards rushing. Um, mm-hmm. You know. It, but that's 54 yards a game. This team is not a good offensive team. It's a team that IU should be able to feast upon, get these young corners some experience, get them some success to give them confidence to to um, move up, you know, just get some confidence in, into their play and, and have them make some big plays. Yeah, the the best weapon for, uh, for Maryland's offense is Perry Hill's running the ball and that that has typically typically come as either designed not quite zone reads but more often quarterback keepers with him or when the play breaks down that you know kind of similar to what we saw Jake Rudock do last week which is kind of concerning heading into this one uh, because you know Hills while not lightning quick uh, he he's mobile and he's a big guy uh, Perry Hills is I'm trying to look up. Wrote it down somewhere here. Six three, yeah, six three, over two hundred pounds. So uh, he's a pretty big guy. Not easy to bring down. Um, he had 
three games over 100 yards already this season. He had 170 against Ohio State, 124 against Penn State, 104 against Iowa. He's got three rushing touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I how do you think that Indiana is going to kind of defend this? Do you see them maybe using, I don't know, somebody like a, a T. Gray Scales as kind of a spy? Um, I, I think with the lack of success that Maryland's passing game has had, and I think the confidence that you have in your front four to defend the traditional running game, I, I kind of think that a spy uh, nearly every play is the best way to go for Indiana to avoid getting gashed like they did a couple times by Rudock. What do you think? Yeah, I was I was um, thinking the exact same thing, that spying either. You know, Scales is finally healthy, and he could probably keep up with uh, Caleb Rowe. So spying Scales or spying T.J. Simmons. Um, we'll see how he is yes. health-wise. He did have a foot injury against Michigan State. But that Michigan State game, he had 15 tackles, is flying around, making plays. Uh, I think Scales is a little bit better in coverage, um, so you can put him back out there to defend the pass and keep Simmons mm-hmm. in there to, you know, hinder the run. And he can lower the boom. I think a couple if you if Caleb Rowe is scrambling a couple of times and gets smacked in the mouth, you know, that might hinder him from, from, from running the ball. I know it's, you know, kind of an old school mentality, but you know, any time you take a big hit, you might think twice about running it up up the middle on, on a scramble like Rudock did uh, last week. But yeah, Hill's, Hill's running ability is, is a concern. I think that the front, um, you know, the front four, including a bandit, are going to have to play uh, really well. What Indiana has to avoid doing is what they did last week was when they either you know rushed the people from the middle, rushed those linebackers from the middle, and just vacated the middle of the field and have Rudock step up and, and just run for days. Um, so having a spy, I think, would be work best. TJ, I agree with you. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm sure the coaching staff has been watching uh, the past two games, Wisconsin and Michigan State. Hills was kept under 50 yards in both of those. Uh, you know, obviously, Indiana's defense – does not uh, does not execute at the same level as those two teams, but uh, I think that they can certainly learn a lot from from what Wisconsin and Michigan State did. Which, you know, Wisconsin has tremendous linebackers that tackle very well, and that's that's what struck out to to me when I or stuck out to me when I watched uh, watched Wisconsin against Hills. Uh, they did not miss any tackles on him when he did try to get to the open field. Uh, so he never really got past the linebackers. And Michigan State uh, was able to get quite a few sacks, which obviously really hurts the rushing totals. But uh, I, I think that that will be very interesting to see because uh, it's quite often that Indiana's third down defense, or Indiana gets themselves into good position on third down. We've talked about it so much. You know, I, I think that uh, we could see – Unfortunately, I think that we might see some some third downs where Indiana gets them into passing situations. It's third and eight, third and nine. It looks like, all right, they're going to get off the field here, and then you know Perry Hills runs for ten yards or twelve yards and gets the first down because Indiana is unable to uh, to finish a play. Maybe they get pressure on him, but he escapes the pocket and gets out of there for the first down. I just you, you can't allow 
number one, they can't continue to allow teams to, to execute on third down the way that they have. You know, you're playing an offense that is really lacks a strength, but if they did have one, it would be uh, the running game of Perry Hills and then, you know, kind of short yardage execution uh, with Wes Brown or Ross and now Brown's gone, so you take away one of the things that they did remotely well. So uh, this is just, like you said, it's an opportunity for the defense to finally get back to the way they were playing at the start of the season. Maryland turns the ball over like crazy. They're worst in the the country at turnover margin, meaning they don't force turnovers on defense, and they give up the ball constantly. We talked about the interceptions. So it's a good opportunity for the defense to make some plays, and I, I don't expect them to just shut down Maryland's offense. They're not going to shut down any offense. That's just not going to happen. What I do expect and what I do hope for is for them to be opportunistic, make a few plays, and if they can just improve a tad bit on third down and add that to Maryland's I would say it'd be far-fetched to think they could execute as well an offense as Michigan did at times. So, you know, if Indiana can just improve themselves a little bit on third down, going up against the worst offense and one that turns the ball over a lot, you know, you could make a few plays with turnovers, you could get a couple more stops on third down, and you've got to feel really good about your chances at that point. Yeah, you know, you said it before. This Maryland team's only averaging 22.2 points a game, and if you hold them to their average, or maybe just over, IU can score. And you saw it; they scored yeah. on Michigan, who's a terrific defense. Um, and you, you on think is, yeah, they, I mean they've scored on everybody except for Penn State, and that was because Sudfeld and Howard uh, did not play. Yep. And now, um, you know, there there are no injury concerns going into this one. I think Howard is slowly getting back to where he was um, at the beginning of the year in terms of um, of being in shape, being in game shape. You know, that ankle injury has limited him uh, probably in practice and probably getting reps and, and conditioning-wise. Uh, but the kid can play, and I think he should have another field day. This offensive line looked tremendous last week. Um, and, yes. and finally, they're they're imposing their will on, on the other teams uh, like we thought they would at the beginning of the year they absolutely dominated michigan um for you know basically four quarters and two overtimes and this is a maryland um maryland front that's not as good they do have some players uh but they're not as good and and this offensive line should be able to dominate again and the run game should be able to be uh just as good or better and then you work the passing game off of that and I mean, this is a game where Indiana's offense should look like they did against against Rutgers, just better because they have Howard for that game, for this game, instead of uh, just using Majette and Redding for uh, the Rutgers game. So I, I expect IU to score almost at will this week. Well, I, I think that Maryland has a better defense than Rutgers, but yeah, adding Howard instead of going with just Devine and Redding, or I'm sorry, just Redding and Majette should... Uh, should make up for that difference. If IU executes the way that we know they're capable of, I, I agree. They should be scoring uh, very consistently on Saturday. You know, I, you look at Indiana's running game, uh, you said it. The offensive line was amazing on Saturday against Michigan. They were physical. 
uh, absolutely dominant at the point of attack. I thought that Dan Feeney and Jason Spriggs both played just as you would expect the leaders of your offensive line to play in a big game. Uh, they were excellent. Uh, really, everybody was. Camille was the only guy that you could really have anything negative to say, and that's he's had a couple of penalties that'll happen. Um, but I thought that that whole unit played a great game. Jordan Howard was awesome. Um, you know, you look at this Maryland run defense, they're 36th in the country, uh, according to the S&P Plus <coughs> rankings. You know, but I don't think it particularly matters to IU at this point, you know, short of going up against Alabama's run defense, what what defense they're going up against. I, I don't really think that they that they consider anyone to be able to stop their running game when it's on like that. And that that's the mindset of the players, in my opinion. Um you know, Michigan and Iowa were incredibly good at, at run defense going into those games, and Indiana ran the ball on them. So, you know, I, I looked at the, the previous rushing totals for Maryland's Big Ten opponents. Yeah, this uh, It's a pretty good unit. Um, Michigan State had 3.4 yards to carry, Wisconsin 2.9, but that was without Corey Clement. Uh, obviously, they're not the typical Wisconsin rushing attack with or without him and without him. It's really not a very good running game. Uh, Iowa, 2.5 yards a carry. Penn State, only 1.5 yards a carry. That was the first game without Randy Edsel, and it's probably the best that Maryland's played all year. And then these these past two weeks, Ohio State, 3.9. I'm sorry, this is not the past two weeks. This is earlier, Uh, so we're going backwards here. But Ohio State, 3.9. Michigan, 4.9. So Michigan was the Big Ten opener. They had 4.9 yards to carry. It looked like bad on offense and bad on defense. Well, they've improved since then. Nobody's gotten above four yards to carry since. So I think that's kind of your target, uh, getting above four yards to carry, and I don't think Indiana's going to have too much problem hitting that mark. I, I would love to see uh, – well, it's hard to say you'd like to see more balance when the running game was working so well. What I would like to see a little bit of is some play action. Um, I, I thought that Indiana could have taken a shot or two against Michigan. I'm not complaining about the play calling because I thought the offense was really good, uh, and I, I don't have any problem with continuing to run the ball when it was being so successful. But against Maryland, I think that what you could do uh, is – you know, you get that running game going, you get it going, you suck the safeties up a little bit, they come up for run support, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple shots taken down the seam to Ricky Jones or Simi Cops down the sideline or even a tight end down the seam. Uh, maybe Jordan Fuchs, actually, who knows. But uh, I I do think that there's going to be some opportunities there because I I just don't think that Maryland's going to be able to stop the IU's running game any better than recent opponents have because I think the offensive line and Jordan Howard are in a groove right now. I think the play calling's in a groove right now. Uh, As it relates to the running game, I I think that they really feel good about where they're at, and I I don't see any reason why they won't, again, reach well over 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, and that's really the key to the game. If If you... Get the offense going. It's going to have to fall on the offense for the rest of the season um, just because how how poorly the secondary has played. If you get the offense going, 
in, in both phases in the run and the pass, there's no stopping this team. And um, the only way to, like you said earlier, uh, is to get uh, momentum would be a likely uh, big return or, um, you know, a fumble or a turnover uh, from from Sudfeld in the offense. Uh, but TJ, uh, what are, you know, what, what's, what, do you have a prediction for the game? Do you, do you feel pretty good? Well, um, you know, I, the, the biggest thing that holds me back from predicting a comfortable Indiana victory is number one, it's on the road and just traditionally it's not wise to pick Indiana on the road in a, any kind of game, especially a Big Ten road game. Um, but, like I said earlier, if you're going to be playing on the road, there are very few places that are going to be less hostile than it's going to be in College Park on Saturday. Um, I just I don't think that there are very many people that are paying attention to the current iteration of Maryland football. I think there are some people paying attention to the coaching search, and there's a lot of people paying attention to their basketball team, but I, I don't think that there's going to be a large turnout or much energy on Saturday. So you feel good about that. And the second thing is the pass defense. I know that Maryland has a bad passing offense. I don't think that any of their receivers uh, should really scare Indiana's defensive coaches. You know, Laverne Jacobs averages, uh, or he has 31 catches. That's the leading receiver. But that's on 57 targets. They're going to throw out their averages hitting 50% of his passes. And that is with a passing game that does not throw the ball down the field much. I think the average pass attempt is about 4.6 yards. So you're throwing at an average of 4.6 yards per attempt, and you're completing less than 50%. That's awful. So I don't think that there's anyone really that terrifies you. It's just the IU pass defense has given really no reason to be confident. That being said, I have total confidence in IU's rushing attack, and I've got pretty good confidence in IU's passing game once that running game gets going. So I'm going to predict that Indiana gets, number one, I think that the offensive pace is going to crank up a little bit. Um, I do think there's going to be more pace used on Saturday than we saw against the higher caliber opponents that IU played. Um, yeah, and they played Indiana, pretty fast against Michigan, especially yeah, they, early. Yeah, they ended up playing pretty fast. Um, I, I think that we're going to see uh, – I'll predict that Indiana gets between 450 and 500 yards. Um, uh, well, actually, they'll probably go over 500 yards, really. Uh, and I think that the Hoosiers are going to come out with a win. Uh, I'm trying to think of a score. I'll go with uh, 35. 38-24, Indiana. All right. That's not a bad prediction. It wouldn't be a bad trip. I, I would take that. Um, oh, I would. Yeah, I don't, I don't from, care what the from score Maryland. is. Yeah. yeah. I don't as, care what the as score long as is. They I don't win. care what the performance is. It just needs to be a win. That's all it is. Style points have yeah, long I, since stopped the matter. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm right there with you. I think that um, – 
you know, I think Maryland Maryland has moved on uh, from this season. I know that the players are still giving an effort. It is senior day, and that might add an extra some extra juice there. But I think as a fan base and as a program, they've moved on to next year. They're looking for their coaches. I've seen a number of articles um, from, you know, Maryland papers and, and Maryland websites uh, arguing who should be the next coach, whether Bill O'Brien's going to go there. So I think mentally they're yeah, checked out. Odd. I, as That's a fan base, right. well, you know, they go where the money is, and and they, I think they get a new Under Armour deal in the next few years, and and maybe they could afford it, especially when they get this Big Ten money uh, coming up. Um, but Maryland does have financial problems as well. Um, you know, th- their their website for their team, like their official team website, is awful. Um, so you know. It, it really is. I couldn't find it. It took me like an hour to find stats and, and everything. Um, but, you know, going into the game, I think Indiana is going to bring their own energy. We've seen how they bounce back uh, from tough losses yeah. before. They've done it under Wilson every time. And I think there might be a little bit of a revenge factor here. Uh, last year, Maryland came into Memorial Stadium after their uh, after IU's big uh, win at Mizzou. Uh, and basically kicked their butts. Um, there were a couple penalties that called back touchdowns for IU that took all the air out of the balloon. Uh, but I believe yep. that that score was 35-17 or, or 37-15, um, something like that. And, you know, I think these seniors remember it. That's a game that, you know, if Sudfeld doesn't get hurt, that's a game that is a potentially cost you a bowl game. Is It's a home game against Maryland. So, I think the seniors and, and people who are around for that game are going to come out on fire, uh, prove that that was a fluke, and, and say, hey, not not this year, not this team. Um, and they've bounced back terrifically. We, we've seen it before. We thought that they would fall apart after the Rutgers game. We thought they would fall apart after the Iowa game. Um, we thought they, they, they were out of gas at, at Michigan State. Um, you know, and – We'll see. You know, there's no reason to to lead me to believe that, you know, the, the Michigan game was the star, straw that broke the camel's back because they're a resilient uh, bunch of kids. I think Kevin Wilson has them uh, believing in this program, and and that's why he's not panicked because he sees these kids bought in. And, and um, I'll go. I think it's going to be 38-21 uh, 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 Indiana. Um, you know, the Maryland will score maybe some garbage time points as well. Um, but that's, I think, you're right at the averages for, for both teams almost. And uh, we'll see where, where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I will say that no matter what the score is um, on either side, I don't think that either fan base would feel comfortable about anything until it actually got to, to zero. Um I think that both teams have been through enough this year that I think the fans are probably probably kind of feeling like no matter what the score is, that the game is yet to be over. And we've seen it. I mean, just you're not going to feel safe with any lead with this defense. You're not going to feel safe with any lead if you're the opposition with Indiana's offense. So it's I think it will be an interesting game. I actually think Maryland's going to hang around for a while. Uh, before Indiana's running game just, you know, grinds their defense down. Uh, I hope that that's the game plan. I think that it will be. I think the offensive coaches are well aware of what they have with this running attack, and I think it's 
what they expected coming into the season, and, and now we're seeing it in full force now that uh, everybody appears to be uh, healthy and clicking on all cylinders on that side of the ball. So um, one thing, one name to mention that the IU offensive line is going to have to be aware of when Sudfeld drops back, uh, Yannick Ngakwe does have 12, uh, 12 sacks. So he's he's a danger man. They're actually pretty good at getting the quarterback. Uh, so I use offensive line is going to have to be uh, up to the challenge against both him and Quinn Jefferson, who has six and a half sacks at the other defensive end spot. So uh, they're they're a pretty good tandem. Uh, again, this is not a not a great defense, but they're a very solid defense, a top fifty unit that it's it's not going to present zero resistance by any means. But the way Indiana's offense is playing, you feel pretty good about it, especially after they did what they've done to a couple of top 20 units in Michigan and Iowa. So uh, all signs point to the offense continuing to to impress, the defense continuing to struggle, but maybe Maryland's struggling offense is able to to help out the Hoosiers enough to, to get them to their fifth win and give us an extremely interesting bucket week. We can hope. Yeah. Um and that's right on that that uh the Michigan de- or uh, Maryland defensive line's pretty good. Uh so it'll yeah. be up to uh Spriggs and, and Dan Feeney who who looked awesome last week. You know, Sudfeld was only taken down for one sack and that was early and uh we'll see where it goes from there. This is a game where you know, you take it like you know, one of those. Uh, you take it one quarter at a time. It's let's win the first quarter, then it's let's win yeah. the second quarter, uh, let's win the third quarter, and let's win the fourth quarter. Eventually, if you win all those through four, you're going to win the game, and then you move on um, and enjoy it. You move on uh, to bucket week, and you do the same thing. So, uh, TJ, there are some big games going around the. Uh, the rest of the Big Ten, uh, we're gonna. It's highlighted: Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, Michigan State could really throw a wrench in the Big Ten East uh, with a win at Ohio State. Ohio State um, controls their own destiny. Uh, if they win the next two, they're going back to the Big Ten championship game. Um, so let, let's kick off there. Yeah, you know, I I think that it's always important in these late-season games to talk more about the for each team than it is to kind of rehash the same points we've talked about. You know, everybody knows, or anybody that's paying attention enough to care at this point, uh, kind of knows the situations for both teams. They know that Ohio State's offense has been a bit underwhelming but still is very capable. Uh, They know Ohio State's defense has been really good. So, you know, not that surprising. Um, You know, Michigan State, I don't think anybody knows for sure what to expect from them on Saturday because Connor Cook is not healthy. He's going to play, but he's not healthy. He's got some shoulder problems, and he's really had to uh, to carry. Maybe that's that's his problem. Maybe he's had to carry uh, the Michigan State offense all season and, you know, his, his shoulders worn out from it. I don't know, but uh, it's it's going to be very interesting for me to see whether or not he's even close to 100%. Because if he's not, I don't think they have any shot at Ohio State, who I actually think is, is ready for a, 
breakthrough game. I, I think if you look at how Ohio State's schedule set up, pretty much everyone has been pointing to this week as when their season really starts. You know, they had some challenges uh, at times. It sort of seemed like they were kind of sleepwalking through parts of games, just kind of looking forward to this one and then next week against Michigan. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they've been in the top four every week because I don't think that they've uh, really impressed all that much when you look at their resume, but they they are there, and you have to think it's just due to, to the residual effect from last season, and that's fair. Uh, I think J.T. Barrett is just a much better quarterback for this team. I think the offense uh, responds better to him. I think they play at a quicker pace with him in the game. And Ohio State, right now, they just lack a downfield uh, downfield weapon at wide receiver. They missed that from last season. Michael Thomas is a very good receiver, but he's not a major downfield threat, and they just haven't developed anyone else into that at this point. Got a lot of guys that are dangerous, but most of them are dangerous with the ball in their hands. They're not dangerous down the field. So that kind of hinders what Cardell Jones is best at, which is throwing downfield. So I think that the offense is just a much better fit for Barrett at this time. Uh, but really the defense has been the standout, the defense plus Ezekiel Elliott. And if you look at that combination plus Connor Cook not being healthy, like you, you really have to like Ohio State's chances to win this one, make a statement, uh, and get ready for their their matchup against Michigan, which, you know, let's, let's say that Ohio State wins this week and Michigan wins this week against Penn State, then obviously those two would be playing next Saturday, not just in Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer for the first time, but uh, those two meeting up for the Big Ten East title. If Michigan State wins, then we've got all kinds of chaos um, in which the Spartans would just need to win their final game of the season to which is against Penn State, so that's not an easy one. Uh, to win the Big Ten East, so all three of those teams that we talked about all season as being that you know that three horse race once Michigan established themselves, all three of them are still alive heading into this final weekend, which is uh, or the final two weekends, which is um, I'd say a little bit surprising that one of them didn't fall off and then fall apart. Yeah, um, it, it's really going to be an exciting last two weeks um and and that's what the division race is meant to do um yeah, yeah. that's what we'll move on to one of the the lesser exciting games uh Rutgers at army uh it's on at noon um <laughs> uh, you know there's nothing really at stake there i think you know Rutgers is uh lost bowl eligibility last week and yep. uh army's sitting at uh 2 and 8 so I mean, other than, you know, taking in the tradition uh, at West Point, that there's not, not much going on there. No. No, I, I, you know, my viewing guide, I just kind of put it's always nice to cheer for the service academies, so go Army. But, I, I mean, they're 2-8. and eight. Rutgers isn't going to a bowl game. Really the last important game on Navy schedule, or on Army schedule is always Navy, so uh, they'll be playing them, I, I you know. I don't know. Um, it's, there's not going to be much to come out of this one. I think Rutgers, what you could see possibly is if Rutgers were to lose to Army, 
uh, they might just fire Coach Flood now instead of waiting until after the season. I don't know. Yeah, that's, you know, probable. Uh, anyway, next uh, we're going to another team, another game that features a, a team who is in the playoff hunt, um, yep. Purdue at number five, Iowa. Um, Purdue's two and eight. They're 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 not great. Uh, they have had some close calls uh, with some good teams, but um, they're they're going into uh, a buzzsaw at Iowa. Um, the Iowa needs to needs to win and needs to win convincingly. Uh, we saw um, I forgot who Purdue played last week. Um, Northwestern Northwestern dropped in the rankings. Because uh, they only play, beat uh, Purdue at home by seven, so um, we'll see what Iowa could do. They're they're just a big physical team. We saw them a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's Senior Day. Uh, there's a lot on the line for Iowa, so I, I, I really see Iowa running away with this one. Yeah, I think running is going to be the operative term there. Uh, the trio of Lashawn Daniels, Akron Wadley, and Jordan Kinsari. Uh, it's kind of been a different guy every week that ends up leading the charge for them. Last week it was LeSean Daniels against Minnesota. They really ended up at a shootout with the Gophers, which was surprising. It was 40-35. to 35. Um, Purdue only 114th in the country against the run, so I would expect a lot of running the ball from Iowa. I haven't heard an update on Markel Jones, but he left the Northwestern game. Uh, he was in a pile after being tackled and Somebody kind of landed on his leg, and it looked sort of like a hyperextension, maybe a pulled muscle. Um, uh, he left the game and had a you know one of those huge ice bags on the back of his leg, right around the kneecap area. I have not heard an update on Markel Jones. I've been searching every morning, uh, haven't found anything on it. So obviously, if he is out, uh, that's a huge blow to their offense. Um, like you said, they've battled here. Two out of three games, anyway. Uh, they got hammered by Illinois in the middle of that stretch, so I, I still don't know. I think that they're a little bit better than they looked probably a month ago, but this is still a very, very bad defense uh, with an offense that uh, is inconsistent. I would say they have some bright spots. They've got some good players. I think David Blau could be a good quarterback in time. Right now, they still make too many mistakes, and if they don't have Markel Jones, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to, to hang around in, I, or in Iowa City. Uh, I think probably for Indiana fans, what you're going to be looking for is whether or not Markel Jones, number one, is playing on Saturday. If he's not, will he be playing in the bucket game? And then number two, if he does play, you know, how effective this he looks. If he's not 100%, that downgrades their offense quite a bit. Uh, DJ Knox is uh, not a bad second back, but Markel Jones is the best uh, dynamic threat they have on their offense. So if he's out for the for the bucket game, that would be a huge boon for Indiana. Yeah, and, and you also have to take into account, yeah, it's a bucket game, it's a big game, you'd like to to win it, but at some point, this is a, a freshman who's been awesome, and, and you've got to take his future yeah. into consideration. Um, next, uh, TJ, we are going to uh, Minnesota, Illinois, Minnesota. Both teams are hanging on for dear life in um, in terms of bowl eligibility. Uh, Illinois is sitting at 5-5, five and five. Uh, Minnesota at 4-6. and six. Minnesota would be eliminated 
uh, most likely with a loss. Um, Illinois, if they lose, would have to go play uh, Northwestern in Chicago. Uh, it's a rare home game uh, in Chicago. I don't like um, that scheduling, but I, I, I think if Illinois wins this, uh, they'll finish six and six. Uh, Minnesota needs a win uh, just to just to get back to six and six. I don't. I forgot who they closed the season out with, uh, but it's uh, oh at Wisconsin, of course, the battle for the axe. So um, right. They're probably likely finishing with uh, seven wins, but five and seven is a lot better than four and eight. So, uh, wh- what do you see going on uh, with Minnesota, Illinois? Yeah, I think you, you laid out the stakes pretty well. Uh, the question for Illinois is going to be, you know, let's say they win this game uh, at Minnesota and then figure out how to beat Northwestern, which is, you know, they'll be underdogs, but that's certainly not impossible. Uh, you know, if they if they go seven and five, do you give Bill Cubit the job? I I doubt it. Um, I I don't think he's a strong enough recruiter for them to consider doing so. But uh, that's a possibility, I guess. At the very least, it'd be a, a good accomplishment for them to get to a bowl game. I think that that would far exceed expectations for many people heading into the season, especially with all the turmoil they had. You know, Minnesota. Uh, gave the head job to Tracy Clays. That's official. We talked about that, I think, last week. That was just breaking um, when we were on the on our podcast. So, you know, Tracy Clays is the uh, permanent head coach now for that program. So I, I, I think that they feel pretty stable about their future. Uh, I, like you said, I anticipate either four and eight or five and seven for them, which is going to be disappointing for sure. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to expect out of it. I will say that Minnesota's offense has shown some real life since Tracy Clays took over. That's either a coincidence or he's made some tweaks. They have put the ball in the hands of Mitch Leitner a little bit more than you'd expect, uh, partially due to the struggles in the running game, partially due to Leitner just continuing to play pretty well. So, for me, it's going to come down to whether or not uh, Minnesota is able to contain Josh Ferguson. Ohio State absolutely shut him down, and without Josh Ferguson, the Illinois offense really struggles. So I think that's what it will come down to, and I, I would anticipate a very close game. It's on at the same time as IU, so most of us are probably not going to see any of that one. But I, I do think that's going to be uh, fairly entertaining. Um, and There are some... You know, it's certainly nationally totally irrelevant, but I think for for fans in this region, it's you know a mildly interesting game with some some stakes involved for the for the immediate future of those programs. Uh, yeah, definitely. And next, uh, we'll go to Happy Valley. Um, you know, Michigan is uh, got to keep pace with Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, they'll jump with a win. They'll they'll jump into almost a driver's seat there uh, in the in the Big Ten East. So um, they go to uh, Penn State. There's lots lots on the line. Uh, Penn State would like a win over Michigan. That would be uh, a nice feather in the cap of James Franklin. Um, but what do you what do you see going down here? Is Michigan? Um, you know, is their defense going to bounce back after giving up 41 points to Indiana and letting them run all over them, uh, or is this, or did Indiana find a, a flaw that's now out on tape 
and is uh, Penn State going to take advantage of it? Well, I I don't think that Indiana found a flaw, but it is concerning for Michigan because Michigan State put up quite a few yards, um, not a lot of points, but they did move the ball. Minnesota put up a ton of yards on Michigan, and then Indiana did the same, plus a little bit more. So it's it's a little bit concerning here that four, or three of their past four games have not been very good defensive performances for the Wolverines. I still think that's a very good unit, and I don't think that Penn State's offense is uh, near up to the caliber of, of Indiana's. Um, I think that Penn State really does need to get one of these last two games. You know, they're seven and three right now. Uh, they're lost to Temple. Does not look as bad as as many thought it would. Uh, myself included. Temple's been a lot better than expected. But still, James Franklin has yet to beat anyone that you would consider a high quality opponent if you're Penn State. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, they've got Michigan, they've got Michigan State after that. If they lose both those games, they're 7-5 and five with, again, no quality wins, tenure. I think that people would really be wondering, you know, what exactly do we have here, and are we going to be able to do any better than fourth in this division? And that's not going to be good enough for them. Um, so I think that that will be – kind of the storyline for Penn State these next two weeks, if they can get one of those two, you know, eight and four, um, a solid, if unspectacular season, and a a solid bowl game, you know, progression from the year before, and they'd probably be mildly happy if they could get both of them. You're looking at nine and three in New Year's Day Bowl, and they're probably thrilled with a lot of momentum going into the next year, albeit probably without Hackenberg. Um, For Michigan, like you said, it's, you know, you win, and you've got a home game against Ohio State to win the division. And if you would have asked Michigan fans if they'd take that before the season, they would have, you know, taken your hand off trying to get it. So I, I think that this is a big game for both teams. For Michigan, long term, it probably has no real consequences because I think they have about as much momentum as any program in the country right now. For Penn State, I think that this one has – implications for this season and I think the next two weeks have implications long term for the program not that they'd make a change but I do think that there would start to be some questions asked if they drop both of these and go seven and five without quality wins yeah and it's that that'll you know we'll see and and you want them to win well I don't want them to win but you know that would set up a Michigan win would set up an epic Michigan Ohio State game for the Big Ten East title. It, yeah, um, it would be it would be good for exposure for the for the conference. Not I'm not I'm not rooting for the Big Ten until bowl season in which I, I will root for the Big Ten, but you know, it would help some um to have a program in the playoffs. It it just it helps the perception of the conference nationally and that matters for recruiting. How much does it matter? I don't know, but we know that it matters some because recruits talk about it. Um, when they commit to Big Ten programs, they talk about, you know, playing against teams that are in the college football playoffs or that are, you know, the elite, however you want to define that. So that stuff does matter. So it, it does have an impact on IU. Yep. Finally, uh, real quickly, 
Northwestern at Wisconsin, both teams at eight and two. TJ, um, season for for Northwestern, a decent yep. season for Wisconsin, where expectations uh, were that they would take a step back. Um, who do you see winning this game, real quick? Uh, I'm gonna take Wisconsin at home with stronger defense. I don't think Northwestern is able to consistently move the ball through the air, so Wisconsin makes them one-dimensional and then shuts down that one dimension. Um, long enough to, to get probably a pretty low-scoring, ugly win at home. And if they get to 10 wins with that offense, man, that would that'd be impressive. They'd be about the least imposing 10-win team you'd find. But kudos to them. They're finding a way to get it done. It's just a really solid program. Yeah, and, it, you know, the Wisconsin is just cranking out uh, 10 wins. Uh, TJ, that does it for our pregame show. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, you've been an awesome co-host. Um, next week we'll figure it out. It's a holiday week. Um, we'll probably have our recap on Monday. If not, uh, we'll uh, get you the schedule as soon as possible. Uh, otherwise, TJ, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you during the game. Uh, you can follow him at TJ Hoosier Huddle. Uh, he does a lot of good stuff uh, with SaturdayEdge.com uh, as well. TJ, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, hopefully we we have a happy discussion on Monday. Absolutely. It'd be nice to talk about a win for a change. It really would. Go Hoosiers. Yep, that does it for our pregame show. Uh, IU in Maryland is kicking off on Saturday at noon. It's on Big Ten Network, uh, so check your uh, local listings. I want to thank uh, D'Angelo's uh, Italian Restaurant in Bloomington for sponsoring us this year. Uh, we have a couple weeks left, but if uh, you're in Bloomington craving good Italian food, uh, do stop in at D'Angelo's. Uh, they, I, I love their chicken parm. Uh, they have good pizza. I think on Mondays they have two-for-one uh, pizza deals. Anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, good luck, and I will talk to you on Monday. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.